The date is Friday, February 25th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we're discussing yet another classic dark comedy movie, American Psycho. This film is more than just a gruesome glimpse inside the mind of a murderer. It's nothing short of a masterpiece. So join us as we find out we're all a little bit psycho in the end, and enjoy. Live from Thursday night, it's Entertain This! Entertain This. Hey, that's pretty good. I tried. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? Welcome back to Entertain This, the only show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. Of course, I am your host, Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. And because of the recent failings of the uh, different radio stations around the country, I've decided to take on more of a disc jockey persona in our show. <laughs> Is that Johnny Fever? <laughs> WKRP? I'm Fever Dream Steel, and you're listening oh, no. to Entertain Des. <laughs> we come at you fast, we come at you right with the facts that hit just right. I rhymed right with right, and that's how I did it. Let's talk about the news. What's in the news? What's in the news? What's in the news? Russia invading Ukraine? That seems like a sticky situation. <laughs> Willem Dafoe in the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. What do you think? Let's get our first caller, Michael. Uh, I like Willem Dafoe. I've I've never played Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan. That the energy of your response was the same as the kid who was like, apparently I've never been on the news before. <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently they don't give me the remote anymore because every time they do, I turn on the Powerball. <laughs> he's 80 years old in a, in a five-year-old's body. So yeah, he's a really great. He's really great. I hope he's doing okay. Um, Think. Yeah, he's probably doing fine. Probably Most hangs out with the I like turtles kid. There's uh-huh. so many viral children nowadays. To be a viral child is almost nothing anymore. Like, it's a story you get to tell at parties, and that's about it. <laughs> and people go, "Oh, cool." Yeah, it sounds like how you. It's, it's, it sounds like how you ruin a family with a viral child. I. I think how it viral. depends on how viral. The, yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. Nick. It depends on how viral the child gets. Because there's definitely a level of virality uh, in which you become a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> you remember Yodel Boy? Who? Yodel Boy. No. Oh, no. He, he, no he's, uh, he's just working the Walmart, Subway now. Yeah. The Walmart country yeah, singer? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he's still yeah. going, dude. He's actually a pretty cool guy from what I've heard. Oh, okay. Like, he, he took all of the money he made from that song and, like, donated all of it. To Walmart? And now he's like, no. Oh, my God. No. They need it. Is that, I'm telling you. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. I can tell you that the CEO of Walmart is currently living on the same island as like multiple drug cartel like <laughs> leaders because that's how much money they make give that they to, can live next to door workers, to them. Maybe, yeah. Okay, well, maybe the workers. Um, they can't start a union. Anyway. Not in this house. Let's entertain this. <laughs> we get way off topic. We had a train of thought and now it's gone. So we're just going to start the episode. Okay. Wow. Okay, yeah, okay. I guess you can do that. Sure. Okay, great. Let's do it. How do we start an episode? Do you guys remember? It's been yeah, a while. you start talking. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, if you know, for a guy who likes trains, you often get off track. <laughs> Ooh. I get derailed. That's a major dick burn. Dick burn? Nick burn. <laughs> Same thing, really. For those of you playing the at-home game, Michael is currently on heavy doses of medication due to a recent yeah. surgery. So he said dick burn, and that is known as a Freudian slip. <laughs> 
keep your wieners away from hot objects. <laughs> I thought you were going to say trains. I don't know why. There, I too. thought I mean, you were no going to say net. trains, and it would have been good advice, too. I just thought that's what you were going to say. Obvious advice? I'm all here for it. You know that. <laughs> keep your dick away from trains. Anyways. All right. Can I start? Can I start with a rhetorical question? Of course, you usually do. You like Huey Lewis in the news? Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste, but when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially Time and out. artistically. Time out. The whole album was a clear Christmas sound. No, <laughs> hold on. I think that counts as copyright infringement if we just like read the script of American Psycho the whole episode. He's been compared to Elvis and Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Hey, could I stop you and go back to when I had said timeout? Yeah, go ahead. Because because you're speaking as though you were alive when Huey Lewis and the News were a mainstream name, it's which you were not. not. Unless the ongoing theory that you are in fact a, a timeless vampire, <laughs> um, specifically an energy vampire, um, <laughs> that, that theory continues. Now, can you just confirm to me that you weren't alive while when Huey and the News? No, I'm. Were, I'm uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a model year ninety four. So, okay, you know that. Great, you can keep going now. I just wanted to confirm that you are not <laughs> an immortal on being. On the record, <laughs> on the record, you know, I'll swear on a Bible or whatever precious book you yeah, have. You can touch around. a Bible, so that's something. Can I don't know. I haven't touched a Bible in a while. <laughs> I'll have to confirm that later. <laughs> How many years, Nick? I don't know. Five. Anyway, Huey Lewis and the News. They wrote some songs for hit movies, <clears throat> such as Back to the Future. That's true. And others. He released uh, Hip to Be Square in 1987, as you know. Zip me Yep, that's the one. It's a song so catchy that most people probably didn't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends. Also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey guys, we're talking about American Psycho today. Woo! Hey, cool. Sorry about the little man monologue. You know, ma, I had to start ma, with the one bit. Hip to be a square. <laughs> I know I had to do it. So if there's one lesson the pandemic lockdowns have taught us, it's the fact that we're social creatures. We know this. Social in the mm -hmm. way that we need some kind of human interaction, whether that's through a podcast or uh, calling somebody up on the phone or something like that. But, you know, some of us didn't cope so well in the pandemic and maybe we got a little too up inside our heads. So maybe some of us snapped. And it's these snaps that um, are kind of what are the premise of this movie, I guess, if you want to call it that. But in some way, I think people became unhinged, just, I guess, a little antsy during these lockdowns, these long quarantine isolation months that maybe led them down a path of destructive behaviors to themselves or others. And you can see this evidenced by the quick uptick of violent crime in the post-lockdown uh, months here in the States. And part of that might be just be because we forgot to deal with people or Maybe that's because we walked out of our houses and got annoyed at our neighbor. And then you're like, that's it. I got to go with, <laughs> I got to go attack him with a shovel or what have you or something like that. But this is me speculating, of course. I don't have education in any kind of these subject matters. So just be aware that some people have uh, deep invisible wounds that maybe haven't healed yet and they can't help the way they act. Speaking of the way people act, there's an entire field of psychology related to personalities. And it's called, drum roll please... Personality psychology. We'll get to Whoa, that. Whoa, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Scientists are really bad at naming things, or really good, depending on who you ask. Uh, 
But we'll get into that a bit later in this episode because I think it has a close relationship with this cult classic dark comedy horror film called American Psycho. So I'm just going to open it up to discussion now. What's going on with this film? Do you guys remember anything? I hope we've watched it. I don't know. No. I haven't watched it. Neither of you have watched it. I find no, that hard I've, to believe. I've seen, I've seen a lot of <laughs> clips from it, but never actually watched it. Yeah. Is it the one with the business card scene? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That's uh, all right. It's one of the yeah, first like I've seen, I've seen the business card scene. I've seen the scene of him at the bar. Uh, mm. And I have seen this scene that you reference that you gave the script, on, the talking <laughs> script on. Yeah, that. Um, I always get this and Bates Motel confused for some reason. I have not seen Bates Motel. I don't know why. I just always get those two movies confused. But yeah, yeah. American Psycho. I've definitely seen parts of it. So you guys have both seen parts of it. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe throughout this podcast, I will convince you to entertain this, huh? I don't know. I think I can do what? that. Maybe. I'm sorry. Could, I was yawning. What'd you say? Could you entertain this? What? Could you do me a kindness and entertain this? Did I that do feels it? like a good launching point. Yeah. I like okay. it. <laughs> so I remember the first time I watched it, it was back in 2017. Um, the good old days. <laughs> Pre pandemic <laughs> days. Yeah. I remember those days. Uh, maybe we can go back to them someday. I don't know. Probably not. I watched uh, I watched it with Natalie, but I don't know what brought me to it. I guess it was all the memes that I saw about it, or because mm-hmm. usually that's the best way to get me to watch something is if you send a whole bunch of memes my way about the thing, then I'll get curious yep. enough that I'll go and watch it. So maybe that was it because I saw the Christian Bale with the X over his head and the blood on his face. No, it was um, it was right when he was putting on Huey Lewis in the news where he's pointing. And he's like, I don't know. That'll be fun he's for a our big, video. That listeners. movie is memed <laughs> from left to right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is memed all over the place. And that's why I watch things, because of the memes. <laughs> so to understand this movie better, um, to understand maybe what drew me to it in the first place, we have to kind of get inside the mind of a, a psychopath or a psycho, outside of being a serial killer, of course. And we have to first understand why anyone would want to become a psychopath or you know, how, how does this happen to a person? A psychopath, as defined by Google, is a person suffering from chronic mental disorder with abnormal or violent social behavior. So we've already established right off the bat, it's uh, it's mental illness we're dealing with here. So that's something you don't want to hear us yahoos talk about. Maybe skip ahead a little bit or skip this episode altogether. Um, but I mentioned coping before, and it's an important word in this episode for the movie. And I think we mentioned it quite a lot in the Encanto episode as well. But it really delves into how we humans cope with any negative experience that we may have. That's what coping is all about, right? Whether that's falling off your bike as a kid or dealing with uh, somebody that's wronged you in some way, or perhaps it's just learning to live with the unintended side effects of living in our capitalist society. And our capitalist world, by its very nature, is maybe a little bit dehumanizing. Maybe it's uh, a better word for it is individualizing at a base level. Um, You think about all the all the communist or the capitalist propaganda where it's all like, oh, it's you, you can do it. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can, you can really make something to yourself here in this capitalist uh, land that we have. So there's a lot of focus on just individuality in this particular country of ours. And it's all about me and the products I can buy with the money that I don't really have. 
maybe a word for describing what ails the main character in this movie is consumerism. Mm-hmm. It's that coupled with a personality disorder that leads to kind of what you see in the film. And what better time period to set this critique of the yuppie era or the consumerist age in, than the 1980s? I mean, think about the 1980s when America's society had to had this big shift towards, oh, I got to make money. And we kind of lifted up all these CEOs as role models in some way. Donald Trump became big in this era too. People, everyone wanted to be rich and famous. There was the show on, um, was it was it in the 80s or the 70s? It was Lifestyles of Rich and Famous? You guys ever seen uh, that? I think it was the 80s. Yeah, where they showed, oh, he has two yachts and this one has a gold-plated hot tub in it. <laughs> like we we had that grown up in the 2000s with uh like vh1 oh yeah like vh1 had all of those like what does uh oprah winfrey do with her millions of dollars because at the time like millions was a lot and now we're upwards into like the trillions yeah. <laughs> money means nothing yeah and it's it has fake. no value <laughs> you keep telling yourself that consumerism <laughs> is a drug true <laughs> There's a a skit on SNL. This kind of has something to do with what we're talking about, where it's like the Home Improvement Brothers, and it's like <laughs> C stands for compassion, C stands for contemplation, and then the last one is Ryan Gosling. He goes, C stands for corporations run capitalism, and capitalism is a drug. He's like the grungy brother. It's hilarious. <laughs> I love him. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of scary how <laughs> accurate that is, because yeah. consumerism kind of is like a drug when you think about it. It's all about how can I feel good with the money that I don't have somehow. Consumerism. Yeah. Put it on a credit card. Buy yourself a mink jacket. Go for it. Make yourself look like yeah. uh, Donald Trump in the eighties. Again, money's not real. <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Like every there's less like physical cash in my wallet. Every time I have to make a purchase, it's oh, always like I actively avoid it. Credit card. Yeah. I actively avoid it because like I am like much less likely to actually use it. Yeah. And like was, there, there's there's situations where like I absolutely need to use it. And I'm just like, Mm-mm, well, won't do it. <laughs> I find comfort in the fact almost constantly knowing that when I'm like walking around the streets, like by myself late at night, if I were to get mugged, which is a is a rare a, a rare occurrence in at least the part of the city in which I live, mm-hmm. if I were to get mugged, it would be more of a hassle for the mugger to mug me and go through the processes of yeah. trying to get anything out of me yeah. than it would be to just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, because, well, it's like you're not disappointed that, like, you're... Like the, there's nothing for them to realistically take. It's like cool. Now you've just caused me a big inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really basically what you like. Now I'm gonna cancel my card. You're not gonna get anything from me. You ended up with a lot of garbage, and I ended up with like a lot of responsibility that I now have to take <laughs> yeah, for it. I think for mine, it's like you. They would end up with like two gift cards to Chipotle and another gift card to Skyline, and that's it. They got more from you than they got from me because I have my wallet right here. They would get. Let's see. What do you got? What's in the a wallet? Walt Disney World magic card. Ooh. Um, my sure driver's license <laughs> with a bad picture of me that says I am five foot nine, which I am not. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're totally six foot, right? I am definitely taller than five foot nine, but the lady sits down at the DMV and refuses to stand up to check the height <laughs> chart. So from her angle, I could be as tall or short as I want. That's true. I have a library card. I have a wow. second library card. Nice. Wow. I have a business card from a man who I'm not going to contact. <laughs> I have two comics to games punch cards. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, and I have a laminated copy of my vaccination card. That's what they would get from me. Nice. Oh, and two free movie tickets. So really, that's that's big. <laughs> that's huge. It's still your wallet. That's like say, forty like, bucks right there. Congratulations, you got chores to do. So if anybody's <laughs> thinking about mugging me, that's what you stand to gain. Yeah. If it's worth your time, it shouldn't be. <laughs> I probably have a couple of dollars. I mean, that's all you're gonna net with me. And of course, the debit and credit card and all that. But um, yeah, again, though, that's just like don't mug people. You're just causing an inconvenience. Yeah, you're not actually getting anything. People. What the mugging hell? Mugging is so last century. So lame. <laughs> if you want to if you want to steal my stuff do it the smart way and hack my bank account and go. buy a lot of buy a, buy one pizza from la rosa's and tip your fiance three thousand dollars from my card like <laughs> once happened to me in the middle of the night jeez <laughs> yeah money doesn't have real value but i guess it does because we all agree that it, it does you know it's kind of a scary yeah. thought that we all just agree that this uh piece of paper right here it has value I said what does this did. have to do with American Psycho? Is this what drives him nuts? Because it drives me nuts every day. So here's a segue. Um, you know how oh. we place so much value on the the facades of looking nice or something like that? The uh, the kind of aesthetic that we present to the world. We put a lot of value on that, don't we? Yeah. I well, it depends, on, so. it depends on why you do it. I bought a $20 Spider-Man suit. That's Ooh. cool. But that's not what I'm talking so. about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about spending money to present our way, our, ourselves in a certain way. Yeah, it's a, that's to, a, that's a pretty good the segue. World. We'll take that. And I say again, I spent $20 on a Spider-Man suit. And you refused <laughs> to put it on, but I saw you wear the I mask, so that was pretty put cool. Put on the mask. I'll take it. You guys missed it. Like Anyone pre-show. can put on the mask. Yeah, little, little Patreons only. No, not yet. If you if you were our Patreon, we would let you in. Yeah, just so you know, we had to see Alex in the Spider Man suit. Mm-hmm. Be quite a treat. Um, but anyways, we spend a lot of money, especially in this culture, on our outward appearances, the way we look. It, you know, the people say that your first impression is the strongest. What's the first thing that anybody knows about you before they've even spoken to you? It's it's how you look, how you present yourself. So you know, there's good reasons, there's bad reasons for looking the way that you do. Uh, but a lot of it is kind of based on the, uh, you know, how much, how much money you, you appear to have, especially in the, uh, the wall street community with bankers and all that. Cause that's what Patrick Bateman, the main character in this movie is, uh, that's his job. That's his occupation. He's a investment banker of some sort. He's in charge of mergers and acquisitions or mm. as he mishears it, murders and executions just once in the movie. <laughs> he's like, what, what, huh? This movie plays in your head a little bit, so it's kind of a trip in that way. But yeah, consumerism, it's a problem. <laughs> it's still a problem today, I'll, I'll say it. It yeah. wasn't just in the 1980s, you know? Um, well, so I have a question. Yeah. Would American Psycho be kind of like a cautionary tale for even some something like crypto and like NFTs? Like, when I hear like, because a lot of what you're saying is like stuff about like the physical world. Well, in my mind, it's like, NFTs and crypto are kind of like the digitization of, of that consumerism. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like with, with like, you're worried about your outward appearance on the web. Okay. Go get a, go get a fucking NFT. Like that. You like, <laughs> look at my profile picture, bro. Yeah, look at my NFT. profile picture. It's, it's hexagonal. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, didn't I don't know. It that. just seems, it just seems like there's, there's some parallels there. Yeah. I, I didn't see that, but now that you're bringing that up. I'm like, sure. Yeah. I can see it now. Um, but really what, what this is, is a, uh, indictment, if you will, of the yuppie culture and yuppie is kind of a dated word, but it means, uh, 
a young person in a well-paid job with a fashionable lifestyle. This was kind of a big term in the 80s where all these young people mm. were moving to the city, getting big banker jobs, and then... Making big money. Making big money. Now we're all yuppies. Well, I don't have money, <laughs> but... <laughs> we try, don't we? We really do. <laughs> you have a house. <laughs> I could liquidate this asset. That's a good idea. <laughs> Spend it on uh, crypto. <laughs> You're what, 27, 28, and you own a house? Yeah, you're a yuppie. I try. You're a yuppie. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm fashionable at all, though. <laughs> Michael has what I would consider to be a high-rise apartment. Yeah, there you go. At in least like for a, our in city. In like a northern Kentucky standard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the sixth floor. All right. Looking down. Upon and he's got a balcony. <laughs> yeah. Down his he can spit on the, drunk, the drunken peasants <laughs> oh, who walk the alleys below his apartment. Yeah. Let me tell you about my yuppie lifestyle where I'm glued to my recliner, uh, <laughs> taking pain meds or eating ice cream and watching anime because on Netflix. Because your apartment has a fucking gym in it where you tore your muscle working out. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so like you were out there like pitching coal and you tore your shoulder or something. No, I've got to simu- I've got to simulate the uh, prehistoric lifestyle. Sorry, I, I wasn't accurate in my description of what happened to Michael. He has an apartment or he has a workout place in his apartment with all the workout equipment. He instead goes to a different place where he pays money monthly to work out because yeah. it has more equipment. Yeah. So true. Yeah. No, I'm not a yuppie. (laughs) I'm not a yuppie. I'm not a yuppie. Take it back. (laughs) Michael's doing very well. Sorry, if if Patrick Bateman saw the way I lived, he'd he'd be fucking disappointed. Let's be real. Yeah. I mean, we all live like a modified bohemian lifestyle where we're all just living paycheck to paycheck. That's just how much money you actually make. Yeah, no matter how much you make, you're still on the on the brink of starvation. But yeah, uh, ain't that America? Because we forget to eat. Because we're a terrible generation of human beings. I never forget to eat. That should be apparent. (laughs) You're not thick. I don't know how this has continued. There's a bit that wasn't named during our bit list. Thick neck in the last episode. Come on. Thicker than a the self-appointed nickname, Thick Neck. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good bit. Anyways. So, <laughs> we're yuppies. Uh, yeah, if you want to think of Patrick Bateman like uh, Michael... No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> no. I don't kill anyone. <laughs> well, that I know of. I mean, that's, that's what makes a good murderer if you can cover up your crimes. Thou doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, here in America, we're kind of constantly bombarded with advertisements. Uh People constantly market to us like, hey, you should be living this lifestyle or this lifestyle or you should be taking these supplements. You should be going to this gym. It's all just, you know, marketing for for lack of a better word. But I think our minds are kind of warped by the monetization of everything that has occurred since the 1980s. If you have a hobby that you like to do, well, you should start selling it. You have extra time on your hands? Well, why don't you do a number of side hustles out there? Why don't you DoorDash? Why don't you have a hustle that you do when you're not making money? You're spending it, of course. And maybe you're just not living if you're not spending money. That's the message that I get a lot from these uh, from the ads. So why not just pay another monthly subscription that it's uh, for something you're not going to use? <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> what these ads are saying, but it's kind of within this social climate that we see it's ripe for the production of a psychopath and or sociopath. There's a difference that you can Google. Um, but what what is it that makes one? Well, if you look closer at their upbringings and genetics and so on. That's one way to do it, sure, but we don't have, I mean, this movie's only 90 minutes long. You're going to go into Patrick Bateman's upbringing? No. You're just going to show him um, committing murders and stuff like that. So there's something 
uh, called the Dark Triad of Personality Traits. That is, um, that was referenced. Am in I my, about to learn something about myself? I, hope I don't want to learn something about myself <laughs> no, right now. <laughs> okay, these are. I'll do my best not to be public about how this is about to affect me. <laughs> I see these in myself. That's the scary part. Not not oh, as no. bad as like murdering people because that. I think we okay. all can agree that's the red line that you don't cross. So. I feel like I'm currently sitting in a pot and it's about to start boiling. So will you just turn up those burners and boil me already? <laughs> we just set the fire. Now we got to start. I identify myself far too much in almost everything. Yeah. So let's, let's get it. It's, it's fairly normal. You're okay. Um, be sure not to have like first year psychology um, student syndrome, which is when you diagnose yourself with everything. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and avoid that. So I'll pull you back from the edge if you're getting too close to it, but Personality psychology. I took a uh, I took a semester of this in college. Um, that makes you an expert. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> a, it was a scholarly intrigue of mine. It it kind of seeks the answer to the question of why people are the way they are, and I still don't have an answer to that. But it's all a very hotly contested academic field. Whether we have personality types or personality traits that make us who we are, there's a difference between those two. Once again, you can Google it, but. We're not here to get into those arguments because I'm not smart enough and I only took a semester of this. So let's get on with it. Let's talk about the dark triad. All three of these dark triad traits are conceptually distinct, although empirical evidence shows them to be overlapping. They are associated with the callous manipulative interpersonal style. Um, and here are the th three dark triad traits. You have narcissism. It's, it's number one. It's characterized by grandiosity, pride, egotism, and a lack of empathy. Machiavellianism is characterized by manipulation, exploitation of others, and an absence of morality, unemotional callousness, and a high level of self-interest. So you can already see the little overlap there with uh, narcissism. And then third is psychopathy. It's not the, the ale that you can get from Reingeist. It's, uh, it's characterized by a continuous antisocial behavior, impulsivity, selfless, selfishness, callous, unemotional traits, and remorselessness. So <laughs> you can hey, I don't identify with any of that, okay, I don't think. So, you're good. so that's good. Right. Those are it scares me that you do identify with some of that. <laughs> There's only a few that I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I can be a little, but it's not like all the time, right? Right. I mean, here's what I'll say is everything you just described sounds like a version of me that could absolutely happen sure. if I were left to my own devices long enough. Yes. Without anyone interfering. Yeah. I think that I could naturally fall into all of those categories if left alone for about a year, maybe two. <laughs> right. Exactly. When you, when you, I don't know, it's like when you have like a, a change in your life of some sort, that's how it can kind of tweak something in your brain. It's, uh oh, now I'm a serial killer or whatever. I don't know. Huh? Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> but what it we're is not, was we're not listen folks listen folks at home listen we're not professional psychologists no. we don't understand the human brain and we don't know what makes people kill people that's we don't know any of that and we don't claim to know that as much as it may sound like we claim to know that we have no idea we simply are discussing the possibility of going absolutely batshit crazy and killing people we don't know yeah anything this film kind of plays with that idea too because the story is told by Patrick Bateman himself, and he's what's known as an unreliable narrator. So mm -hmm. all throughout I love those. the film, you have a, a voice in the back of your head that's like, uh, how much of this is true? Like, what, what is going on? Um, and of course, the ending We is have all been in a job that we hate and in our head played out what it'd be like 
to kill everybody there. Just just <laughs> lose it, man, or scream at your boss. I know Michael has had a probably a novella that he read in his mind <laughs> about ending everybody who walks in the door at Tivana. <laughs> <laughs> All those yuppies, right, man? They just come in there like, oh my God. The, uh, boba mocha frappe. <laughs> Why did oh, they it wasn't even that. It was everyone wanting to come in and get all their fucking free samples and bullshit. Um, <laughs> I could you see. just, you know, drop a little arsenic into the tea. <laughs> I've had it with these people. <laughs> for, le- for legal reasons, I have never poisoned anybody. <laughs> knowingly. I poisoned them with As tea. As a legal disclaimer, I have never touched arsenic knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows cyanide's in nowadays anyways. Um, um, cyanide tea. <laughs> cyanide and happiness. So there's the, uh, there's a five factor. Nights at five. Yeah. Freddy's five factor model of personality that we, that personality is, uh, scientists, psychologists, one of those two, they, they like to reference and mm-hmm. it's known as the ocean model. So it's easy to remember because it's an acronym. It's, uh, one is openness to experience, C conscientiousness, E extroversion, A agreeableness and N neuroticism. Um, so you take this quiz and I actually did take it. It's pretty cool. Um, How'd you score, pal? <laughs> high in the dark trend. <laughs> um, I took a different test. I don't remember what the exact, the ocean test got me. Cause it was, it was several years ago, but I took something similar to that, which was kind of emulating the Myers-Briggs personality types. Um, and just for the record, I'm an int J A, which is the architect personality trait type. Um, you can take it yourself too. I think it's like 60 personalities, 16 personalities.com. I've taken it before. Yeah. It's, it's interesting if nothing else. Um, I was surprised to find out that it listed me as introverted, but it also does make sense. I am a social introvert. So yeah, I'm very much, I, I, I think an int J stands for introvert. So yeah, I, uh, present as extroverted, but I am like deeply introverted from myself yeah Yeah. not from time to time like it is it is my natural state is to be introverted yeah i don't don't like being around people yeah because it's not like about like whether or not you like to be around it's about being comfortable oh yeah well it's about like how you get your energy like does it energize you to be around a bunch of people and make you feel good or does it like energize you and make you feel good to be alone and doing your own thing yes yeah (laughs) so yeah i love being around people but it makes me tired yeah it does kind of wears you down Make me tired. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. You can take the the ocean model that I just referenced is kind of like a sliding scale. So you can be like way open to experience or like not so much. Mm. Then you get you know a breakdown based on each, each of those five traits. So it's pretty interesting. Um, within that is kind of like the uh, the dark triad model sits, I guess, meshes with it. Um, but it has relationships with the dark triad because. These traits are overall negatively related to both agreeableness and conscientiousness. So you, if you have somebody that's low in agreeableness and low in conscientiousness, you you have a a, a greater propensity towards the, the dark triad traits. So hold on. Can we have some layman's terms sure. for some of these? If you wouldn't mind, you seem to have a better understanding. Uh, so like so you're, conscientious, conscientiousness yeah, so that, is about like how much thought you put into your own actions, yes, right? Yes, exactly. And how much you just do and don't think about it. Yeah. And agreeableness is how, 
how agreeable you are, how well you get along with others, how others might see you as somebody that they can uh, open up to, I guess. So, so let's let's come up with a fictional person and try to <laughs> try to evaluate them. Let's call him uh, Ross. Ross. We'll call him Ross uh, Chaw. Ross Ross Chaw. <laughs> okay. Ross would Chaw. probably be pretty good. Um, and let's just say mm, we're all friends with Ross Chaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just say they're a DM for our D and D games. Okay. And maybe they used to be my roommate. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe. So let's go ahead and think about them and list how they kind of sit on this. Were they conscientious of their actions? No, no they were not. not. Yeah. Um, were they, uh, what, what are the other ones? Oh, you want the ocean again? Uh, openness, yeah, let's hear openness it. to experience. No, not, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Not at all. The the things listed here are uh, are they inventive slash curious versus consistent slash cautious. Consistent slash cautious okay. is where I would put Ross Chaw. Okay. So then there's conscientiousness. We've already been over that. It's efficient mm-hmm. organized versus extravagant and careless. Um, I would say efficient and organized. Yeah, that's that's probably where I would be too. Um extroversion. Uh no, introverted. I'm talking about the fictional Ross Chaw right now. Right. Um, agreeableness. No, not at no, all. No, yeah, friendly, compassionate, or... Uh, Act- actively trying to fight people is where I would say Ross Chaw sits. Um, neuroticism, which is sensitive slash nervous versus resilient and confident. I would say sensitive and nervous at most times. Right. So that kind of... And plot those on a graph. I don't know okay. if it's paper, so it's kind of a problem. But anyways, just from the sound of it, I would say Ross Chaw is a psychopath. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to have uh, all three of those traits, I think. Um, gosh, I can't remember that documentary I watched in, in the class, but it was uh, it, it was this guy and they were interviewing all these like psychopathic people. They're like, yeah, I just, I just want to do this and this and blah, 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 blah. And one day I'm going to rule the world and all this. It's like, damn, dude. <laughs> damn, shawty. A little narcissist much? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. But dark triad, you got to stay away from those people if you can. If you can help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Machiavellianism. Machiavellianism. I know Machiavelli. Yeah, he was in Assassin's Creed too. <laughs> Italian guy who wrote many good st- short stories. Very good, very good. Everybody has a connection. Let's keep moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, not him, but Machiavellianism captures a suspicious versus trusting view of human nature, which is also captured by the trust subscale on the agreeableness trait. Extroversion captures similar aspect of, aspects of assertiveness, dominance, and self-importance as narcissism. Narcissism also positively related to the achievement, striving, and competence aspects of conscientiousness. Psychopathy has the strongest correlations with low dutifulness and deliberation aspects of conscientiousness. So there's sub-traits within the ocean traits, and it gets very confusing. Um, you said psychopathy? So, yeah, it's not the IPA, sorry. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. That's wrong, guys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I don't fuck with IPAs, but oh my <laughs> seen the, I've seen the bottle in the in the store, which so. stands for Indian Pale Ale. For anyone out there who didn't know, yes, mm-hmm. that's true. All IPAs come from India. What? Yeah, that's something that I learned recently. Or India. Yeah, we can continue. Either or. <laughs> I don't know which. Uh, 
but there's a popular myth that psychopaths and sociopaths can restrict their pain or have no response to pain whatsoever. This extends to the biological responses like wincing when a light is shown directly into the eye. And funnily enough, this is shown in the movie when a detective who's trying to figure out all these crimes, because Patrick Bateman's killed a lot of people and he's trying to figure out these people have gone missing and he can't like, who, where do they go? So he's in the, the, uh, the office that Patrick works in and he has a CD case and funnily enough, it's Huey Lewis in the news Four album <laughs> and it's catching the light just so the, from the window and it's bouncing into Patrick Bateman's eye and he doesn't even flinch. It just goes, you can see it. So <laughs> that should be a big red flag for that detective. If that was actually true, of course, but so the author of the book, um, this is based off a book, by the way, the, it was, it was released in 1991 and this film came out in 2000. So there was a nine year gap between the book coming out and the film. And there's reasons for that, uh, primarily due to it's just very gruesome. Um, and transgressive, I guess, is another word that I've, I've seen used, which just means it's in your face wrong <laughs> on all aspects of it. Um, this is a quote from the author of the book, Brett Easton Ellis. Um, he said, Bateman was crazy the same way I was. He did not come sitting down and wanting to write a grand sweeping indictment of yuppie culture. It initiated because of my own isolation and alienation at a point in my life. I was living like Patrick Bateman. I was slipping into a kind of consumerist void was, that was supposed to give me confidence and make me feel good about myself, but just made me feel worse and worse and worse about myself. This is where the tension of American Psycho came from. It came from a much more personal place. I was so on the defense because of the reaction that, of that book that I wasn't able to talk about it on that level. So that's kind of a ret retrospective in his eyes about... Yeah. Know, yeah. I think that if I wrote a book about a crazy murderer who like killed people <laughs> um, and basically was the product of just isolation... Mm -hmm. And it was based off of how I was feeling at the time. And then everybody was like, oh, this book's disgusting. Who, the, Patrick Bateman's a monster. Yeah. Ew. I'd be like, huh. oh, fuck. <laughs> no, I can't talk oh, about fuck, it. Oh, fuck, man. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put me in the freaking, uh, in the grippy socks. They're going <laughs> to <they're gonna> put <laughs> me in grippy socks. I got to get out of here, man. Yo, but those grippy socks, though, I got some the other day. They, they're fantastic. They're great, yeah. Yeah. You don't slip and slide on your floors anymore. They're great to take home. They're terrible to be stuck in. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. In that gown, why doesn't it close in the back? Big questions. <laughs> That's a comic bit. It it's for, it's for easy access. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to the doctor for? Of <laughs> stuff, things, you know. Normal, normal 30 year old things. <laughs> <laughs> normal, normal 80 year old things <laughs> I bet this stuff gets really funny once you are older than 26 <laughs> it's more relatable yeah we're just trying to be relatable that's all we're trying to do um, so in 2000 writer Genevieve Turner and writer slash director Mary Huron Heron uh, adapted this American Psycho uh, book into a dark comic film released by Lionsgate Films and uh this screenplay that they wrote, um, Genevieve Turner and Mary Heron, was selected over three others. So it was also, <laughs> one was written by the author of the book himself, who wrote a screenplay, took a stab at it, didn't get selected. So it's kind of a big oof. <laughs> Guess it sucks. Can I, 
as we're talking about how American Psycho has developed, can I call forth our fact checker, Chloe, to talk about American Psycho, the musical? Yes, please. Yeah, I didn't know it was a musical until I read. Like, Here she comes. All right. She has good stuff to say because she lit up when I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys. <laughs> Can I ask how do you create a musical from such a dark <laughs> movie? Um, you start by it. being Duncan Sheik. That's a great start. I don't know who that nope. is. Uh, he wrote Spring Awakening, which is my favorite ah, musical. Yeah. That's right. Okay. <laughs> We've all seen Spring, Spring Awakening because Chloe yes. was recently in a production of it. Yeah. Yep. And that actually super tracks for Spring Awakening. Totally. Yeah. So that guy, you know, read this weird German play about you know, teenagers killing themselves and was like, I could do that. And then he sees this movie, American Psycho, with a guy killing people with an axe. And he's like, I could do that, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And of course, you know, it's it's based on the novel as well by Brett Easton Ellis. Um, But the musical came out in 2013 in London. And then it had a brief stint in 2016 on Broadway and 2019 in Sydney, Australia. Okay. And um, it's. I just want to note that this is all off the top of her head. I did not give her time to look this up. <laughs> That's incredible. Just, it didn't. It didn't ever get the chance that it deserved, and it's very weird. So it was just one of those shows that could never like get a foothold, you know. But the music is really funky. If you ever have like an hour to yourself, I would suggest listening to the original <laughs> cast recording because it's like. I don't, That's funny. It's very like what's... techno and strange. Oh, very cool. But does it feel 80s? Yeah, oh for sure. There's lots of like weird synths and um you know, there's like a whole song about like 80s fashion. Um oh, very good. Yeah, because they're all super obsessed with the way that they look. Yes. Um and it just, you know, I I feel like it didn't get the reception that it deserved. I think it's an interesting concept and interesting music, and it's just hard to put a show on in London. Most people are like, <laughs> "Bring out the Londoners. music man." <laughs> Londoners are very, they're very high class, right? They don't, they don't yeah. We want Chaplin level. again. Keep doing Chaplin the musical. Guys, we just want to do new stuff. <laughs> Newsies and Wicked, and that's it. Bring back Shakespeare, I say. <laughs> well, there's plenty of that too. Okay. Thanks, Chloe. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me talk about musicals. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. I had no idea that it was that popular at all, or that it tried to be popular. I I just figured that while we were talking about how it was converted from a movie to a book, it would also have been interesting to hear about it being converted to a musical because that is something that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be sure to catch it next time it's in town if it ever comes here it won't be okay well listen to it on spotify though <laughs> i most certainly will i'm sure that a lot of community theaters try to put it on and then they just get shot down no. no 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 no. they probably successfully put it on it just isn't you know to the quality that you would have wanted it to be mm. yeah thank so. goodness for community theaters because i'm not going to see that the air off or like broadway <laughs> probably no, no unfortunately not they're trying to get old uh rich people in to those seats so they bring yep the low budget shows um, but let's get back onto the movie, huh? Yeah. So the book itself was actually blacklisted in a lot of countries. Um, it was sold in plastic wrap and they had to put a warning label on it. Nice. So, <laughs> it's pretty intense right off the bat. Um, so 
I mean, it's, it was the, the film itself was even given an NC 17 rating, which is like unheard of even for like the two thousands. Um, that was back before, was that two thousands? Did American psycho come out in the two thousands? 2000 flat. Really? Yep. Believe it or not. I thought it was much older. It, it looks like that. Cause it's set in the eighties, Huh? but no, it's 2000. Incredible. It's kind of weird. Films in 2000 and 2001 look like they're set in the nineties, but they're came out in like 2002 and you know, anyways, just that's wild. Casual observation time with me. Uh, so, uh, promotion of this film here, how is it promoted with a lot of ads marketing most likely, but, uh, it was an early ARG, believe it or not. Whoa. Yeah. Ooh. You could register to receive emails from an air quotes, Patrick Bateman, supposedly to ah. his therapist. Um, these emails were written by the writer and, uh, attached to the film and were approved by the author and they followed hmm. Bateman's life since the events of the film. And, uh, yeah, so it it premiered at Sundance, Sundance Film Festival in 2000. Oh, it was a Sundance film. Yep, and then... I love this. The Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, I guess is what they call it, um, <laughs> gave the film an NC-17 rating for a scene featuring Bateman having a threesome with two prostitutes. This scene is still in the movie, but they managed to cut out 18 seconds of the footage to kind of bump it back down to an R rating. I want a red hat that says bring 18 seconds back. <laughs> you can probably see it in the uncut version. I don't know. It has like a, uh, is there nudity? I don't remember. You can see Patrick Bateman's butt or Christian Bale's butt in like the first scene. So that's pretty. I recently went to a viewing of the room. That will be nothing. <laughs> I can handle anything. <laughs> but that Huey Lewis rant that I started with, what what the hell is that all about? Huh? You guys want well, to take a stab to be it? square. Is he just like talking about Huey Lewis because he likes it? Like, what's going on there? I don't know. I think that Huey Lewis was kind of in on the message. The message when he wrote "It's hip to be square," because he wasn't meaning it's actually hip to be square. He was making a statement on people who are square. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I, I mean, to be square means to to fit perfectly with everyone. Yeah, else, to right? fit in, to gel, right. to be a consumerist. No, <laughs> I think that what Huey Lewis was trying to say was. You guys look like assholes. Like, it's not actually hip to be square. You're just making it seem like it's hip to be square when it absolutely is not hip to be square. Yeah. The, the most hip thing you can do is to be yourself, right? Yeah. At least that's what I keep telling myself. Um, but then you got Patrick Bateman, who is absolutely never himself and doesn't even have his own form of identity. Yeah, let's talk He's about just, that. Yeah, he's like identityless. He doesn't have any like actual distinguishing characteristics. Yeah. He is exactly what the perfect man is supposed to be, the perfect like Wall Street perfect man. Perfect on the outside, crazy on the Correct. inside, right? Well, crazy on the inside or void on the inside? There's is he nothing. absolutely nothing on the inside? Yeah. He is strictly an outside appearance. Yeah, that's And if that's the case, then you can see why he doesn't care if he murders people because there is no consciousness mm -hmm. to what he's doing. There's there's that low conscientiousness we were just talking about. So to further drive home that point, like the first opening scene, you see him getting ready in the morning and he's he's doing all this stuff. He's putting creams on his face. He's moisturizing. It's a Dolly Parton's nine to five. That's yep. not true, but it should be. <laughs> he's doing crunches and all these exercises on his floor. He has this... Oop, I hit my mic. That was funny. Um, he puts a, a an ice mask over to reduce the puffiness in his face. Like, this guy's really aesthetic. He's a fashionista. Yes, yes. He looks better than I will probably ever look. And... Um, 
Th Seriously, I do want a supercut of this to Dolly Parton's 9 to 5. <laughs> you can get it, I'm sure. <laughs> stumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition He's like putting the shit on his face. <laughs> yeah, the shit about his face, he puts like a clear mask on. Like uh, I compare it to Elmer's glue. <laughs> I don't actually mm -hmm. know what it is. <laughs> well, I understand. You said that, now I know. Yeah, it's, it's a clear kind of thick thing. And he, he peels it off his face. And that's more than just peeling it off his face because that's a mask, right? And masks mean a lot of a lot of things, especially here in 2022. Um, but it's kind of an abstraction. And he, he, as he's peeling off the mask, you didn't make the connection. You just pointed out and then left us hanging on it. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Here, here's what he says. He says, as he's peeling off this mask, there's a voiceover because Patrick is obviously telling the story. He mm -hmm. says, "There is an idea of Patrick Payment, some kind of abstraction." But there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though oh. I can hide my cold gaze and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense that our lifestyles are probably comparable, I am simply not there. Yeah, he's completely void of any sort of personality or identifying like mental things going on. Like how you and I can identify ourselves, like look in the mirror and be like, oh, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. These are my wants and dreams. These are my regrets. These are the lessons I've learned throughout my life and what's formed me to be me. Yep. He doesn't have any of that. Right. He mm -hmm. is free and void of all of those things and instead is strictly him in the moment acting without any repercussions because he doesn't believe in them. Yeah. And when he's out in public, he's acting as he should. He's acting how his cohorts act. Because he is a sociopath. Hey, mm -hmm. there we go. Uh, but the Huey Lewis rant, if I can backtrack a little bit, it's... By all means. He was just... He could have merely memorized that from like a, a, a magazine article or something like that. He's just spouting off nonsense. And that's that's further evidenced by the second interview that he has with the detective where he's like, what are your, what are your thoughts on Huey Lewis in the news? And he just says, oh, you know, uh, I just think he sounds a little, little too black for me. He's like, what? Is that even a, an opinion to have? <laughs> Here he was in the eighties. Yeah, well, you know, here he was spouting <laughs> off about like, well, you know, it, it really has this clean, crisp sound. And as he's getting ready to kill this guy, but meanwhile, when you get to the core of it, he doesn't like really have anything of substance. He doesn't have actual thoughts. He just has what society's told him to uh, spout off. He's spouting off garbage. It is read from a magazine. So, <sighs> yeah, that it's just a, it's a masterpiece. Okay, I'll say that much about the film. <laughs> It goes deep on a metaphorical level that you probably wouldn't have seen coming. Um, and I guess that the Huey Lewis scene is kind of a, a dark comedic point in the film because he's, uh, first off, he's he's in the process of murdering Paul Allen, which I guess is another, a cohort of his in the in the banking, um, the investment banking is, community. Is he the one who had the nicer business yeah, card? that son of okay, a bitch. Okay, so he's, he's his nemesis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He had herringbone and <laughs> instead of whatever he the had. The business card scene is something to behold. I oh, will yeah. say oh, that. Yeah. Cause that's, it goes back to what we were talking about. It's how you present it's yourself. It's literally just a bunch of asshats with business cards <laughs> comparing who has the nicer business yeah, card. Well, but it's like in the face of like consumerism, it's, com it's showing like how close a quote unquote asshole normal person though mm -hmm. is to a sociopath. It's like the, there's a super fine line there. It blends in like a yeah. chameleon. It's yeah. fine, you know? Yeah. Until he flops somebody's heads off, of course. But I mean, 
there's a term that can be a, a positive and a negative thing called social chameleon. Yeah. Where I've done it in any situation, you can blend in. I mean, we've all done it at some point. Yeah, I'll admit it. Yeah. You know, just to, like taking on traits of people who we were spending time with to better fit into those um, different societies. But it makes you think is it the Wall Street businessman who is so close to being a psycho? Or are we saying that psychos could literally be any one of us? You know? <laughs> yeah. If could this movie have taken place in a fish market? In Manhattan, rather than in a Wall Street business, I think uh, the answer is yes. I know. I feel like the thing that really works well for like what this what this movie is going for is that like because of consumerism, it's so easy to blend in as a sociopath mm. because we're like constantly being told what we should do, what we have to do, what yeah. we need to do to be the right things. It's just like, all right, cool, yeah, I'm I know what to do now. Now I can go be the chameleon, even though like deep down. I'm fucked. <laughs> I mean, think about it in like terms of like Native American skinwalkers where like Ooh. they would literally blend in to these tribes of Native Americans and then they would slaughter them in their sleep. But they yeah. were these fanciful creatures who basically were part animal, part human who would wear the flesh of a person that they killed so they could gain the trust of the people around them. Imagine that kind of a thing, but in a society where instead of them having to put forth work to establish those connections, we are so drawn by advertisement that you can literally turn on a TV for 30 minutes and know everything you need to know about our society mm -hmm. and blend in perfectly. Pretty much. Yeah. We are we have openly set up extraterrestrials to come in and do in secret invasion <laughs> level threat to us because all it would be need so is access easy to tiktok <laughs> i mean it's another thing that was kind of coming out in the 90s was coneheads like the yeah. like the uh saturday night live skit dan Aykroyd. dan Aykroyd, and they had movies and everything but the coneheads literally were aliens who were blending into our society and we just kind of ignored their weird quirks because people are human. Everybody's weird, but we can still be their <laughs> friends. And they knew enough about our society watching TV and stuff to, you know, blend in and speak the speak as the, as it were. So if you were to take that and give it to a psycho, <laughs> yeah, they would, they would easily be able to, without having to form their own thoughts or opinions, talk about Huey Lewis in the news because back in the eighties, that was one of the most popular bands around. Yeah. yeah. He's going hard. Yeah, Going it's like a, paint. It's like it's a it's that struggle to define your own like individualism amongst the like the tidal wave of opinions yeah. and thoughts and of everything that we're told what we should or shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. It's a real struggle, you know, how to define yeah. yourself in a in a world that already has a definition for you. But um, apologies for getting deep there. It's, uh, I kind of take comfort in the idea that I am my own person and i have flaws and quirks that i don't like about myself but i can actively pick those out and be like i don't like that about myself but i can't change it right yeah like that makes me now feel human in comparison to patrick bates no wait bateman, bateman. patrick yeah. bateman yeah. patrick batman patrick am I right? bates different guy um <laughs> am i right ladies um but yeah patrick bateman who would by all definition be one of the most agreeable people you could have oh, interacted yeah. with at the yeah. time because everything that you would say to him he would be like i agree that is correct <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i also think that right and for that reason you would get along with him great until he was killing you with an axe right mm -hmm. yeah that's for for whatever set him off <laughs> your business card of all things of all things <laughs> i've compared business cards uh, it was a bit of a bit 
I'll admit it. I don't have business cards, <laughs> and I don't think I'm gonna get it. It was for a school yeah, project. I mean, yeah. When when I first got business cards, like I I legitimately was like, whoa, look at this, guys! <laughs> I got the like triple ply hard. I'll, I'll like, fix the paper. Huh? And they were like, what the fuck's wrong with you, Patrick Bateman? What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, like, you why'd you fucking why'd you kill us with a fucking axe, bro? They were like, why'd you spend eighty dollars on fucking business cards, dude? Because <laughs> fuck expense you, that's why. report. <laughs> What do you mean? Stop bullying me! <laughs> what kind of finish did you get on it? Is it embossed or? Oh my god! Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I got it was like five years ago. Because that's probably what cost you is the embossing. Because that'll, yeah. I don't know. I went through moo. Uh, <laughs> I think it's fucked up that we charge more to make them in braille. It should be the same cost, in my opinion. <laughs> unironically true though yeah no i'm not being ironic i was stating a fact yes the the print world it's still around for us designers so every so often you got to print off business cards and compare them um i'm not psycho i'm just a designer i promise <laughs> towards the end of the movie though nick you can be both really <laughs> that's news to me wow uh Huey Lewis and <laughs> let's go let's keep going what about movie? the end of the movie we're left with the possibility that his crimes will never be discovered because he's pretty good at covering up his tracks Dope. or alternatively they were all imaginary what Bateman's voiceover narration reveals the realization that he will escape the punishment he secretly desires and that there has been no catharsis for him he says quote this confession has meant nothing because he's recording all this he's it's assumed that yeah. he's doing a voiceover on his life. So it's kind of crazy. Um, I think we've already discussed kind of what this film is all about. Um, maybe it's about a guy having a psychotic break. That's certainly implied within the book and the movie itself, but it's largely a critique on what we just said, the shallow and vicious aspects of good old fashioned American capitalism. The characters are predominantly concerned with material gain and superficial experiences Traits. Material girl. <laughs> it's a good song by Madonna. That's all I had. I, I listened to it. Um, it's about her being a psychopath. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> Madonna psychopath revealed. Not clickbait. <laughs> Not clickbait. Um, but it's the traits indicative of a postmodern world when which the the quote unquote surface uh, reigns supreme. This leads Patrick Bateman to act as if everything is a commodity, including people. An attitude that is further evidenced by his rampant objectification and brutalization of women that occurs within the novel and the movie. This distancing of Patrick from his psyche allows him to rationalize all his actions. So there's that postmodern word once again that has reared its ugly head. And um, we'll probably do an entire episode on postmodernism <laughs> as a whole. If you want to do that too, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Um <laughs> But yeah, this this film. Yes, sorry. <laughs> was that a rhetorical question? It was not rhetorical, but you guys can do it if you want to. <laughs> Just don't look at me. <laughs> That's when we start to get into like the the um like the psyche of a a postmodern world, and it just gets gets it gets surreal at times. I'll say that much. We're in the postmodern era, I think. I can look that up. Um, can I work that into our intro somehow? What? Welcome to the postmodern show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. <laughs> I guess you could. Um, but yeah, this this film just messes with your head. By the end of it, you're like, what What was real? What was Patrick just making up? Uh, did he actually kill people? Did he not kill people? Was he just talking to himself? And this is just him having a psychotic break. I don't know. Um, 
it's kind of dubious. You can you can watch the film. Let me know what you think after all that, because I'd love to discuss it with you. But in conclusion, we finally got to the conclusion bit. <laughs> this movie, however gruesome and over the top, has a message that screams at the top of its lungs towards our maybe slightly deafened ears. It's trying to tell us that we live in a society that values money in the facade of wealth and material goods above all else. And that's a problem. It's not unheard of to hear people completely losing themselves in the uh, the, the grind, as they call it, when the phrase, uh, the, the lights are on, but nobody's home kind of hits and applies to this person, this Patrick Bateman type that we've all been pursuing. You can have a smiling, happy face in front of you, but on the inside, they might be suffering and maybe they want to inflict suffering on you too. So keep an eye out for these people and then try to avoid toxic folks. And hey, turn up Huey Lewis in the news because his albums are honestly fire. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) So one of two things is about to happen, dear listener, and I need you to hold on tight. (laughs) The first of the two is that a quick this is about to occur. Oh. If that happens, it will be John Kincaid, one of the hosts of Big Chicken Bits, the, uh, the show that we let steal our stream last week in replacement of an episode of our show. Mm-hmm. If it is not John Kincaid doing a quick this, then it's just going to be the n- outro and then the next episode will play. But whatever <laughs> happens, just know, entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this. And we will see you next Friday. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>Welcome to the Big Chicken Bits podcast. Uh, I'm Nick cheating on Entertain This once again. And I'm John. Uh, you know, and I'll never be on Entertain This ever again. <laughs> Not even right now. Well, funny you should mention that because you're on this episode of Entertain This. Ah, dang it. <laughs> you're doing a quick this for us. Not again. Minus the, the other hosts, but. Well, who needs them? They're, they're busy on a Tuesday evening. They're doing something else. Probably. They're doing something chicken-related, hopefully. I <laughs> I can guarantee that. They're having a tender moment. <laughs> a crispy, it, a tender, crispy moment. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you got a you gotta quick this for us there, John? Or? Man, do I have one. Well, before I start... Oh, you started. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. Listen, Nick, do you remember as a kid when a movie or a video game or whatever you're interested in. Mm-hmm. It just sort of came out. You didn't learn about it from multiple trailers or YouTube video breakdowns or podcasts. You just saw it on a store shelf. A friend brought it over or you saw a poster at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. No expectations, no information at all. But now as adults with the internet, the media hype cycle is rampant. There's a new trailer for a Spider-Man movie or a 30-minute gameplay dump of a mm. From Software game. Hey, I love that. <laughs> you will be made aware of it. Oh, yeah. And for me and the creators of the product being advertised, knowing as little as possible is the best way to get the most out of the experience. But now movies are being advertised with scenes from the last 20 minutes of the runtime, and games get multiple trailers and hours of gameplay being released before the dang things even out that's controversial I, you're, you're yeah. telling me to shove my head in the sand and not sit here or see anything about the game being what honest? i'm saying <laughs> is that for the things i love the most i'm going media blackout baby oh no trailers no news nothing okay 
I know I'm going to spend my money on these things because I know I love them. So why spoil every detail that I'd be able to discover when in just a couple of weeks or months or you know maybe even a year plus, I can experience it all for myself? Hmm. That's the argument here. And when I really did this was with Breath of the Wild that came out five years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw short teasers before the game even had a title. And then I watched the one trailer that revealed it <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Still waiting on you one. watch the reveal. Yeah. I, exactly. And so after that, I said, you know what? No more. I'm not going to watch anything else. I don't want to know anything about it. I'm already sold. Yeah. And so in subsequent trailers or podcasts or any news article, I had to immediately just shut it out. I remember walking out of the room once because I was watching a Nintendo Direct. And they're like, <laughs> oh, no. oh, here's a new trailer. I'm like, nope, walked out of the room. Wow. Not gonna, not gonna watch it. That's important, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Even my cousin was so excited about it. He wanted to talk to me about it. And I said, eh, it's eh, talk to the hand. No buddy. more. Yeah. But you know what? I went in complete isolation, but when it came out. It was totally worth it. Oh, yeah. Everything that had been used as a selling point now became a discovery for me. I could pick up sticks, pick up a rusty sword and break it over some guy's head. (laughs) I could surf on my shield. I didn't even know there was a jump button until the game came out and I was playing it. That's how little I knew. I knew so little about this. This is a point of contention with the Zelda game because I'm playing it for the first time. So Mm. as you're mentioning this, I'm like, oh... Yeah, you can you can pick up sticks. I knew this all along, but there's no like tutorial. Like there's no okay, hit A to jump or whatever it is, X. You learn it. It's all about learning as you go. That's the point of media sure. blackout. I don't want someone to sell me on this thing. I'm already sold on it. All those little details, they may seem small in hindsight, mm-hmm. but it's big for me because I'm just learning about it. You know, this is brand new for me. Uh the, the hard thing is. Is that now with the new Zelda game looming over the horizon, <laughs> Breath of the Wild Two, Breath of whatever it's going to be called, um, I'm going back in the media blackout. I've oh. seen the little teasers, um, but at this point, I'm like, do I even want to watch the next trailer? I really want there are certain mechanics and things that I really want to learn about, but I don't even know the title, and I'm saying to myself, do I even want to watch it? Because I want to rediscover that game mm-hmm. when it comes out i want to be just brand new baby eyed fresh mm-hmm. on it so i might you know at this point i i start to wonder what isn't a spoiler maybe i'm a little sensitive are you know locations that i'll experience in the game shown in a trailer a spoiler i mean minor are characters that i see are the rumors going on about this game gonna set me up for some false expectations mm-hmm. You know, I'm so sensitive about these things, but I am steadfast. I will block out Zelda from my Twitter timeline. I'm going to delete my interest in it in my Google <laughs> News feed. It may seem like a bit of a headache, but I'm saying <laughs> so silly. when I pick up that game, whenever it comes out, I'm going to experience it like the creators intended. I'm going to play it like a kid again. No expectations. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I I admire that. Yeah. Um, but as we were just discussing before we started recording, is that I'm a fiend when it comes to Bioshock Four. Sure. Because that uh, entertain this is pinged impinged upon. Right. It, Inaugural episode. Do? Yeah. What am I going to do after uh, Infinite comes 
the infinite episode comes out in March. Um, what's, what's, <laughs> what's there to celebrate? There's nothing. It's the end of entertain. This as we know it, <laughs> but I don't know yeah. the, the things you were saying. They're making a lot of sense. Cause mm-hmm. as a kid, I got my mom to buy games for me. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, or people would buy them for me for birthday presents or something like that. I didn't know anything about them. They just thought, Hey, a young, a young boy might like, like to play this. Mm-hmm. So that's how you, <laughs> you see over there, my, my wall of PS2 games. That's how all those games came into my hands. Right. But the what you know those games represent are just a complete lack of knowledge about it beforehand, oh, yeah. which is so powerful. And I enjoyed the hell out of those games. Uh huh. Know nothing about them. Right. Crash Bandicoot, Jack. Yeah. Jack and Daxter. <laughs> you learn about it as you play, and so when I see something, like you know, if I look back and watch those Zelda trailers that I purposely blocked out, and some of those things in there, where I'm like, oh man, I'm glad I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, you're getting into the thing of like, what is a spoiler? Mm-hmm. And I think that really um, just depends on what, yeah. what your own personal... Oh, I, I mean, I'm very sensitive about this thing, especially with a property that I love as much as that game series. Mm-hmm. I want to know as little as possible because I'm going to be sold on it. I, I'm already interested. I'm going to buy whatever game comes out. Yeah. Um, so I... And experiencing Breath of the Wild for the first time, I was just blown away. I had I knew nothing about it, and it was very refreshing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I watch trailers for games. I'm maybe kind of iffy on or whatever. I want to learn more about it, uh, but there's something about just being fresh. I almost don't want to know the title of it. <laughs> I almost and, and that's impossible. And, you know, things are going to slip, you know, right. slip through the cracks. But. Um, you know, I, I recommend anybody, if you are really interested in something, movies coming out, you know, <laughs> try to avoid how many trailers you watch of it. Maybe don't go into every in-depth video that you see on YouTube, yes. breaking it down frame by frame. Just go in and experience it like the creators intended mm-hmm. for you to watch it. You know, knowing as little as possible about that particular movie or that game and just learn for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Um, that being said, <laughs> that is the end of our quick this, I think. Uh, is there anything that we need to plug while we're here? Uh, no. What What's the name of our podcast again? Oh, wow. What is the name of that? Uh, oh, man. Geez. Hey, you can find us at anchor.fm forward slash BCB hyphen podcast. Cause that's, that's what I call the, the listeners, BC beers, BC beers. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weak. Little nuggets. I might change that. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about chicken and we talk about bits and we just have a grand old time over here. Uh, you know, maybe some of us will get in some trouble every now and then. Who knows? <laughs> get in trouble with chicken. That's, that's kind of what the, uh, and more. <laughs> that's what our podcast is all about. So give us a follow, give us a like, we're just two humble boys trying to get a uh a living out here so i'd appreciate it can i please have a listen sir (laughs) please just a little more listen and now you're gonna hear my voice again closing out the entertain this episode so bye bye (laughs) this episode of entertain this was written by me nick mustakangas with additional commentary from michael savoya and alex Steele. our showrunner and resident fact checker is chloe price Our theme music is Retrable by Aaron Spencer, with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.